0: testing testing one two three
1: testing testing one, two, three.
0: Oh yeah that's beautiful rise and shine bitches welcome back to another episode of just a quick pinch i'm your host connie wang i'm here with my fellow hippocratic oaf jimmy hey
1: everyone welcome to the acoustics inside of my childhood home
0: yes today we are recording from jimmy's childhood home we're here for a christmas break
1: yeah we've been watching the shit out of harry potter yeah we started at what we kind of view like more the adult part of the series so we start with the fourth movie mm-hmm. and then uh, watched all the way through the end the first three are fun but Especially the first two, really, like they just—they're so little.
0: I feel like I—I I feel like it's like Harry Potter before he sees Cedric die, and mm-hmm. then it's like BC and yeah. a, with AD. Yeah. Once he
1: like <laughs> once he sees some death, like yeah. Although he killed Professor Quirrell basically in the first movie, and we just kind of gloss over that. Yeah, we
0: really did. Um, and the amount of things Harry has killed since yeah, then, no, like Harry has a
1: body count. Like we were watching—not <laughs> the good, not the kind that, like. <gasps>
0: Ellie has joined us. What else did we do recently? Oh my gosh, you guys, I used a KitchenAid mixer for the first time today. That is just like pure, is opulence the right word? Is opulence like luxury? Yeah, that sounds good. That KitchenAid is just pure opulence. Like you can do so many things with it. You can make uh, cookie dough, you can shred chicken. I feel like I'm like the last person on earth that hasn't really used a KitchenAid mixer before, but now I understand the hype.
1: Yeah, she was uh, baking a lot of cookies. She spent So much time not spending it with me and just icing cookies. uh. And
0: I turned into this little, like, sweatshop mode where I was, like, furiously decorating the gingerbread cookies, trying each time to get a little better. I wanted to get the buttons right every time, get the line a little crisper each time. Um, I was making Jimmy eat all my failures.
1: I, I decorated one gingerbread man. I decorated it like Connie, so I made sure it had eyelashes and a nice engagement ring. And? Uh... I made sure it had some boobs, so we knew it was a girl.
0: (laughs) Uh, So anyways, that is what we've been up to so far for Christmas break. Now on to Hot Girl Huddle. Hit it editing, Connie. (laughs) All righty, you guys. This week for Healthcare Horoscopes. Jimmy, where did we leave off, actually? Now I can't remember because last week we did Santa's uh, horoscopes.
1: Uh, You know, since this is the last tarot card poll of 2022. You're going
0: to let me do it?
1: I was going to say, I want to what? do it, but yeah, you can do it. <laughs> sure. Okay, no, here, I was going to let you do it.
0: You shuffle. You guys should have seen him today. We were working on our outline together for today's episode, and um, we were on Google Docs. Like, He was on the couch, I was at the table, and he kept messing up my Google Doc by typing silly things.
1: It was fun. Yeah. We were sitting with my parents and her and I were giggling, <laughs> having like a secret conversation. We're like, hey, they don't even know. I think that's what I liked about it. Yeah,
0: most. that's because they didn't know. Uh-huh. I was like, Jimmy smells. Alrighty, you guys. The card of the week for the week of December 26th and the last week of 2022 is. Ooh, okay, let's see. We have, is it nine? Yeah. Nine of cups. Alrighty, let's see what the nine of cups says. Okay, Connie has trouble with
1: I was gonna say, Connie has trouble with Roman numerals. She always has to kind of double check with me. I
0: really do, but if, this time I knew it. Uh,
1: she, you know, if she's accurate. Uh, well,
0: see, you know what tipped me off was that there were definitely more than five cups here. Ooh! You guys, this is such a good card to have for the last week of 2022. Okay, so the nine of cups upright, the keywords are contentment, satisfaction, gratitude, wish come true. A million cookies. I feel like this is like perfect for and like a good way to end off the year of 2022. Thank God it wasn't reverse because reverse looks kind of sad. Let's see. Oh, you guys. Okay, I can tell this is going to be a good reading. Okay. The Nine of Cup Upright. You know those moments where you glance around and feel your heart overflowing with love and appreciation for everything you've created in your life? That's what the Nine of Cups is about. How fitting! Emotional fulfillment, yeah. happiness, and contentment. When this card appears in a tarot reading, you're content in all aspects of your life. Relationships, work, Let. Li- Actually, wait, I feel like this kind of doesn't go with it because we're talking about New Year's resolutions. But anyways, you are basking in the abundance of life and experiencing your emotions with such intensity and pleasure. This is why the Nine of Cups is often called the Wish Card. It comes as a sign that the planets align and you have everything you wished for. You could not be happier. If you made your wish and are patiently waiting for it to come to fruition, this is an omen that it will be granted. Anywho, without further ado, let's get into I Ask You Answer. Alrighty, this year or, this week for I Asked You Answered, I asked what you guys' your New Year's resolutions are. I wanted to start this out by saying a good quote, just to keep in mind if, like, this is, if your New Year's resolution is something that you've tried year after year, but you still, every year, like, don't really get at. It's that each year, re- hold on, let me read this quote. I, oh, I totally forgot to, like, cite who said it, but you can Google it. Um, Each year's regrets are envelopes in which messages of hope are found for the new year. So I kind of like this quote because the idea is kind of like... I feel like your goals and ambitions are like kind of glimpses into like who you truly can be. Like it's kind of like the quote, you wouldn't dream about it unless you could do it. So I think it's kind of nice every now and then, like every day we have this idea of who we are. And I feel like New Year's and like special occasions where you make goals is fun because it's kind of a glimpse into like your potential of like who you could be and who you know you could be if you had given yourself a shot. Editing Connie here. I just wanted to share something that I posted on my story, but obviously I don't know if everyone's gonna see this story and it expires. But I just thought it was interesting. I realized this year is my first year of life ever where I haven't really felt like compelled to make a New Year's resolution, or at least have any like super crazy new ones. And it's actually not because I don't have any goals, because like I do have goals, but I don't really consider them New Year's resolutions. And I think it's because Like, every year before this, I used to just get really excited for, like, the new year me and, like, get excited for, like, the potential of who I would become, but it was almost in a way to, like, escape reality and to, like, become a new character in my head, and now I feel like recently this year, at least, I've come to, like, the sobering realization that the new me is actually still always the old me, like, deep down inside, and, like, instead of thinking of it, like, new me versus old me, it's just the same me Just constantly changing and like navigating life a little better and like getting better year after year. And I actually feel like that's kind of more powerful because instead of believing that I have to like become Connie 2.0 to like save me and that something special and magical, transformational has to happen this year, instead it's kind of like peaceful knowing that just Connie 1.0 is enough. I'm just like learning new skills and tricks. And like, yes, in some ways it's made January 1st less exciting for me because now it's kind of just like another day, but in other ways it's actually better because I feel like it makes me more excited for the rest of the year, like the other six, 364 days. So I feel like overall it's kind of better. And like, that's a better growth mindset to have. Although I still think that if you, if it makes you excited, you know, to like be excited for this new person you're going to become, but if you don't feel excited, I think that maybe that might be a reason why. So, anyways, let's see what you guys said you want to do for New Year's. I really like this person. They said, trying to find the balance between challenging myself and practicing self-care.
1: Ooh. Right? That's, like, really thoughtful, because I think, you know, it's really easy to kind of choose one of those paths and go down it, but... Mm -hmm. To be able to balance those things, I think, is really important.
0: Yeah, and it's also because, like, we have so many competing messages nowadays, which are very all or nothing in themselves. It's either, like, hustle culture sucks, or it's, like, give up everything, sell your house, start your business, and, like, create, like, an empire. It's, like, what if, like, I don't feel like creating an empire every day? Someone else said their goals are setting boundaries. I think that's a good goal. Oh, I had two that were about languages. One was be more serious about learning Spanish. And also someone said improving my clinical Korean vocab because dental words are different from daily use. I totally feel that because like in clinic, when I'm talking to like a Chinese patient, I know how to say like, like, I want a piece of cake or like i want ice cream or like where is the bathroom but i don't really know how to say like you have a class 2 lesion on your third mol- on your like second molar or something you know
1: yeah that would be perhaps more helpful for that <laughs> circumstance
0: and that's even worse because when i try to use my elementary level chinese skills to explain that instead of saying like you have a two surface cavity on your tooth i think like the like i ended up jumble i, I always end up jumbling the words and saying and said like you have two teeth on one side like they're they yeah. probably think their problems are way worse than they actually well, are yeah but i usually do use a translator so i should preface by saying that
1: yeah i think we i, I know at my hospital we're techni- even if someone is fluent in yeah, the language we still to. are supposed to have a translator if we're you know doing any kind of clinical like rounding or anything with the patient
0: yeah yeah, you know what? That's a that's a really good goal. If you had to learn a language better, which one would you learn?
1: Um, I think I want to learn Mandarin.
0: Okay, good. I, w- I was like, if he doesn't say Chinese, because I feel like that would yeah. be like helpful for you to talk to my parents. Wait, you know what you should do? <laughs> so what? Jimmy, so my parents eventually want to surprise me and Jimmy with like a trip to China, because um, he did that with my sister and her husband when they got married. So, well, it's not a surprise, But you should, like, secretly practice Mandarin on the side. So that way, when you get to, like, China, then my parents are going to be like, oh, like, okay, let's go here. And you're going to be like, no need. Give me one second. And then you'll be like, you'll just, like, whip out the Chinese. And they'll be like, whoa, where did this come from?
1: That'd be really fun, especially if I, like, kept it from them. My concern is that there's going to be a point in time where, like, I'm going to have to keep the secret from them. (laughs) And they're going to be, like, saying things in Chinese. And I'm going to be like, ooh. Yeah. (gasps) and and it just kind of feels like duplicitous in a way uh to know a language and not reveal it until a later date
0: it kind of is dirty it's kind of like hiding like that you're recording someone when you're not really because like they could be talking about you and you would never know
1: there was a scrubs episode that was like that oh really yeah where i think turk learned spanish for uh oh. to impress uh his you know, fiance or wife at the, I forget what what stage of their relationship they were in uh-huh. but uh he learned Spanish and then i think heard the mom or the brother talking smack about him mm-hmm. and it turned into this whole thing uh so that
0: totally would happen to I you <laughs> feel,
1: I feel like I'm concerned that would happen to me but i think it would be really worthwhile uh and i think you know there's a lot of applicability in knowing mandarin as well
0: you know what i do have to say Uh, So, Asian parents, there is nothing that Asian... well, Asian people, actually. Or at least Chinese people. There is nothing that Chinese people love more than, like white people that speak chinese really well because they're like trust me i've seen it growing up like i grew up near a university and like every single like holiday we would do like kind of like a chinese festival kind of celebration and every single year there would be one act like there's like a talent show kind of portion there would be one act of like a white person that learned chinese in like the university and they would like sing a chinese song or tell a chinese poem and like you had people, parents, like, throwing money onto the stage. They were, like, cheering wow. for them. Like, simply because they were white and, like, new Chinese, they just, like, love that. They are like, wow, I don't know what it is.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think that could be a fun goal. Uh, how helpful are you gonna be
0: <laughs> Not very. in
1: this journey? So I think that's what we should probably both just learn it together
0: i know she
1: basically should learn it from scratch at this point you understand
0: yeah yeah and and i know how to say certain words because the reason why people are so asian people are so impressed when like white people can pronounce chinese words correctly is because it's actually really hard because it's not like american words where you just read the letters you have to say the tones because each word has like four tones or something like that so if you say like one word one way it could be like the word dog or something but then if you say one word another way, it could be, like, the word, I don't know what, go, go. You, you know, they, like, mean different things. Yeah. So it's, and like, very easy to mess up. There's a lot of
1: Xs, too, that, like, don't <laughs> make sense <laughs> when you try to, like, phonetically sound them out the way that, you know, kind of English works. Yeah. Because um, it kind of makes different sounds. So I think it's, yeah, you see a lot of different, um you know, town names and stuff, and it's really hard to know what, uh yeah how you're supposed to say it. Yeah. I know that I'm always botching it
0: yeah you're like wait shoot but is it because this way or that way
1: exactly but uh you know something to strive towards we have a snoring puppy oh my God. over here she
0: was really are we boring her that badly i
1: guess so
0: um she's like guys this week's episode is not it um anyways let's see what okay other people said i like these two goals because they seem pretty realistic continue to work out three times a week and read 30 books i don't know if i could do 30 books but i could at least do like maybe three yeah,
1: I mean, I guess it depends on the books. I read a lot of uh, comic books and manga this past year. I've definitely read over 30 of those, but yeah. they're not full books. But I'm about to finish like a 600-page medieval history book, which I think is going to be a pretty good accomplishment. Yeah,
0: it's Have actually pretty heavy. Have you finished any heavy. of your library books yet? I don't think I've even opened one of them. Actually, no, I did open one of them, but I'm notoriously bad at checking out all the books. It just, the thing is that checking out the books makes me feel better than actually reading the books. Mm-hmm. I just like knowing that I have the book. I don't need the knowledge in the book. So that's kind of my problem. I need to like find a way to work that out. Um, I also like the last one that someone said was they want to do more yoga, self-care, slash better ergonomics, and they want a raise, which I thought was good. That's a good resolution.
1: That's a good resolution.
0: Good, good luck with it. Good luck.
1: Uh... <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, that's all we have this week for I Asked, You Answered, now on to Spit Talk. (music) Guys, this week for Spit Talk, we are discussing Jimmy and I's highs and lows of 2022 for us. Editing Connie here, you can probably hear Ellie and Jimmy snoring next to me, so sorry if you guys hear that. But anywho, I wanted to share with you guys this really good piece that my good friend, she's been on the podcast twice now, But at Masha K on Instagram, she is a nervous system coach. She shared in her email this end of 2022 reflection. It comes with an activity and everything. But she shared this really important passage that resonated with me that I want to share before I share my highs and lows. And it's that you have to forget happiness because what Masha says is that we've been brainwashed into thinking that happiness is the baseline that we should strive for when in reality, that's actually what keeps you like miserable and wanting more. And you have to recognize that what she says is that happiness is a high not a baseline so you have to accept that while it's incredible it feels great it's fun it is fleeting and that's what it's supposed to be and so most of your year when you look back on it isn't supposed to be happy it's supposed to instead be more whole on the spectrum of emotions and the idea is kind of that we get carried away with focusing on happiness when really happiness is not a better emotion than anything out there it's not superior yeah it's fun and you know it makes us feel good but life is not about just feeling this one emotion it's about feeling everything that us humans are capable of and that's why we're here and why we want to live life to the fullest um so i just thought that that was something really insightful that masha shared that i want to share with you guys and if you guys are interested you can check out her instagram page and sign up to get her emails. Uh, She's just incredible. But yeah, I just think that's something that you should keep in mind when you're reflecting on the end of your year, not to just you know, think of a year as being a good year or a bad year based on how happy you were the whole time, but instead maybe like the the range of emotions that you felt. So I'll get started. Uh, My highs were getting engaged, passing my written and mannequin boards, Finishing most of my clinical requirements and also starting this podcast because I feel like this podcast, when I look back, uh, part of why I started this podcast was actually like 2021 at the end of the year. Everybody was posting their Instagram like 2021 was the best year of my life kind of thing. And I just felt like it wasn't really because like I didn't really do anything that special. It wasn't a horrible year, but I didn't really feel like it was an it kind of year, you know? And I wanted to do something that like I really felt like would make a difference, even if it was hard. So that's kind of like part of why I decided to do a podcast and so now I feel like I can look back and like honestly this year I did have to work really really hard and there were a lot of late nights and stuff like that but I do feel like I made more of an impact and like I finally figured out the medium that I really want to work with which is podcasting and that is worth more than like all the years I've ever put in on like Instagram and like all that kind of like YouTube like I feel like it's it's a different level of fulfillment finding like something that really fits.
1: Yeah, I'm so. really proud of you because all your, a lot of your other endeavors, uh, you know, like YouTube, I think you might have done for about the same amount of time and it petered out. But this, I yeah. can tell that you're going strong and like there's no like sign of you slowing down with this.
0: Yeah. Whereas
1: I think the other stuff kind of would weigh, you know, weigh on you more. You'd have a lot more self-doubt about it. A lot right. more, you know, kind of nights where you were crying to me about something. Okay, you didn't have to say that part. <laughs> Uh, but now, like I don't, I, I, I just note like a big kind of shift in that with the podcast. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely something you were meant to be doing.
0: Thank you, you guys. I didn't even have to like put that in the agenda for him to say today. That I'm, was really sweet.
1: i so good,
0: Jimmy. What were your highs of the year?
1: Uh, I think my highs were well, getting engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was, I, I, you know. That was a high point for both of us, probably. Yeah, I was like, I'm
0: going to get in trouble if I don't put that up. August
1: 19th?
0: Yes. Uh, what right? do you mean,
1: you <laughs> Yeah, I don't know.
0: Eight It's been a
1: few months.
0: What's so uh, hard to remember about 8-19-2022? No, yeah,
1: well, the thing is, I arbitrarily picked that date. I, I, like, panic proposed on that day.
0: And you guys, it was a good numerology date, because, like, 8 8- 9- Oh, I've already told them this, but yeah, go
1: um, on. And then other high points, uh, we had a couple... Family weddings uh, this year. So, my youngest brother, Josh, got married to mm-hmm. uh, his now wife, Abby, uh, back in April. And Obviously. that was a lot of fun to be a part of. Uh-huh. Um, you know, because I got to be one of the best men, I got to give a speech. Um, was that
0: the first time? Oh no, that's the second time you were a best man, right?
1: No, that's the first time. I was a groomsman <laughs> oh, for oh, TJ back oh. uh, for his wedding, but right. And then one of my cousins got married, so we got to see a lot of like my extended family. Connie met and a handful my... more of my cousins. Uh, that I was gonna say like we had a couple friends get married as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out Vic and Chris, Casey and Nile. Um, and those were the only weddings we went to, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, really enjoyed all that, celebrating people's love, and then, you know, get taking the next step in our relationship, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, my
0: God, that's so cute. You said Oh Here, you can read your next one.
1: Yeah. Um, and then any time Connie and I went on a date night, Uh, Connie and I use the word date very loosely. Like, uh, you know, we could say, like, oh, recording this podcast is one of our dates for the day. Yeah, We had a date earlier where we snacked on some buffalo chicken dinner.
0: Oh, we had such a good date when we drove to get coffee. Yeah, we
1: did. That, I think that counts a little bit more like a date. We have so many Um, dates in just one day. Yeah, so, yeah, we, if you're not treating every little activity you're doing with your single other as a date Mm -hmm. and like thinking about it like that then start doing that now because it makes your relationship a lot more fun Mm -hmm. yeah and i think another another big thing i really liked was you know i think the last couple years you've been you know really nose to the grindstone working really hard getting all your requirements done Mm -hmm. getting this podcast up and running um. So you didn't have, like, as much time for me, I feel like. And mm-hmm. now you, uh, you know, Connie's kind of got all that stuff done. And now we get to spend more time together than ever. Mm-hmm. Sometimes too much time. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I feel like
0: part of it, too, is, like, when you're the one with, like, your nose to the grindstone, you kind of, like, know when the end date is. Like, I've always worked hard on my requirements and school stuff knowing, like, oh, like... I'm working hard now so that way I can free up my time later. But, like, the other people in your life don't really know that as much. So that's why I think it's, like, important to kind of reinforce to, like... Like, I got to give the props to all the spouses and, like, the people in, like, my dental school's like, class. Because, like, we couldn't survive without, like, all of our people. But, like, they have to kind of sit there and suffer with us which is kind of not fair um but it's all for the greater good because now you know it is things are working out yeah
1: we're, we're having a lot of fun uh, the last uh you know half a year or so okay. oh my last one is just that uh you know it's been a real pleasure to be part of the just a quick pinchiverse cute as i'm now calling it they, uh, they
0: really welcomed you with such open arms yes yeah, <laughs>
1: so, so welcome i think that you know the instagrams always kind of welcome me like yeah. all your fans have been like yeah like this guy without him like
0: um i I would agree with you up until a certain point
1: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i think uh you know you take me out of the equation the rest of this feels a little different
0: (laughs) well you are correct in that because like the past few years of like all of our relationship like i wouldn't be able to do the things i do without jimmy because like behind the scenes yeah like i'm the one in front of the camera doing the recording editing that kind of stuff but jimmy's the one making sure like we're fed our dishes are clean that we have like a roof over our head like jimmy's like really like the reason why i can do anything that i do so
1: been, been working hard to provide a stability
0: yeah okay so now going into the lows because those are definitely things too and i feel like i'm a lot more honest on my podcast than i am on my instagram simply because i have more time to explain myself on here but something that i feel like i didn't really emphasize at the time and i want to emphasize later at a different point is that externship so i remember i was telling you guys about it in like may and june externship was actually a real low for me it was like really challenging because the environment that i was in i really didn't feel supported by at all and i kind of didn't know how to articulate that at the time because this is the kind of thing you have to like take some time to reflect on and looking back i just feel like i didn't when i was in it in the thick of it all i didn't realize how much i was suffering But it was just, like, really hard because I would be, like, gone from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. most days. And then while I was gone there, like, I felt like I was bullied by, like, two people at my externship site. And it was, like, kind of really upsetting because this is a place I thought I was going to learn and I was so excited. And, like, you could always argue, like, oh, it takes two to, like, tango. I mean, the positive of that low is I really did learn how to lean on myself for self-confidence. And I feel like I gained a lot of good clinical skills from that experience. Um, so, like, I I did come out stronger, as anyone does, through, like, challenges. So, that was my externship experience, that was a low, it was was really mentally tough, but I think that, you know, there was benefit from it. Um, and then my second low was, oh, this is what my second low was, honestly, this low isn't a one-point moment of lowness. It's more like with every year that I get older, I like become more and more aware of the sobering fact that like my parents are also getting older and my loved ones are getting older and that's kind of like the hard part of growing up is realizing like that role reversal of like taking care of your loved ones. If anyone out there is taking care of their parents, like I really like my heart goes out to you because it's like it's, it's hard, especially if you have older parents, I realized. Um, like some of my friends have older parents too and that's like a worry that they have. And it's just kind of like a very sobering thought to realize like your parents are human and they're not these like superhumans that you always thought they were growing up and like everyone's going through some real stuff. So yeah, that was my general low.
1: Um I think you know, first one is I think I you know for uh, there was a you know chunk of the time back in the spring where I was feeling really burnt out at work and kind of also was having you know kind of like physical and mental health issues uh like kind of so a lot of things compounding at once that just made mm. uh you know life not all that fun uh at different points but uh and you know i think with that you know definitely some frustrations with kind of where my career's at and everything now and uh i had you know looked at applying for another job and unfortunately didn't get the position um so i had to really think about uh, you know all that and you know put that in perspective and you know I think I was able to rebound from all that and kind of you know things are definitely better uh, than they had been uh, but I'm looking forward to seeing what the future might hold with all that kind of stuff especially uh, I'll, I think I'll have more flexibility as uh, Connie starts contributing to the finances of the household.
0: (laughs) Once Connie starts helping put a roof over Uh, our head.
1: And then, you know, I had a, you know, you know, a couple, a few people that, you know, really made a big impact in my life. You know, when I was younger, passed away this year, my uh, neighbor that was like, another you know, kind of another grandfather, my first boss had passed away. And then, like uh, you know, a good uh, childhood friend of mine had passed as well. So, uh, you know, kind of dealing with that and kind of, yeah, you know, when it's people from your childhood, it you know kind of hurts a little bit more because that's you know this like nice time that you can reflect back on, and then when parts of that are kind of you know taken from you, even at you know much later time, it, you know it's tough to process and deal with. So I, that was uh, you know another thing that I think made this year a little tough.
0: I feel like ours are kind of related in the sense that both of them have to do with like. What makes growing up so hard is like you have this idea of who you are when you're younger. And part of that's, you know, the people that you're with and like the things. But as time passes, obviously life happens and those people like relationships can change. And like that's what's tough is like it's kind of like that quote about how like from Harry Potter. It's like don't pity the dead, pity the living because the living have to move on and find this new normal afterwards. So that's kind of tough. But I'm proud of you. I feel like overall 2022 has been a memorable year to say the least. Uh, you know what? I think that's kind of all you can ask for is having a memorable year. Because when I look back on like mm-hmm. 2021, it was kind of like a very lull kind of year. And that was what kind of made me sad was I feel like I was just so stagnant. So 2022, at least for like me, even though it was a very challenging year, in certain aspects, I feel like I would rather have a year that I'll remember than mm-hmm. like a year where like I didn't really do as much.
1: See, I think I actually would say for me that I had more growth in twenty twenty one. Oh really? Because um, I well then I was like kind of like you know taking stand up classes, oh, working on right. that kind of stuff. Um, and well we got I think you know we had the dog that was like a big uh, kind of learning curve, but it was hard oh, to yeah. sustain a lot of that um, you know kind of into the following year. And then I think I didn't I was a little bit more stagnant because I you know felt like I really didn't have the time or energy to keep up with a lot of those things so I think those are build upon that that last growth year and Improve. i mean definitely we had some growth our relationship uh that's actually definitely improved in everything you know, in the sense that we're you know we upgraded uh, we, status we up leveled uh yeah it's leveled. my I, left I, yeah. ring
0: finger up leveled
1: <laughs> certainly did uh, my wallet down
0: leveled <laughs> um actually i feel like that brings up a really good point is the fact that every year can't be a big growth year you need those years of like stagnancy it's kind of like when you pull back an arrow you know you have to pull back the arrow in order for it to shoot forward like for me 2021 was my pulling back year and this year was my arrow shooting forward year maybe Mm -hmm. it's like the opposite for you but like you know as long as there's some form of movement like every stage of this process is important yeah anyways jimmy you are relieved from your duties in your childhood home thank you for recording today's intro with me all right
1: bye bitches
0: (laughs) now on to the main episode hit it editing connie Already, you guys, so for today's main episode, I wanted this to be all about why most New Year's resolutions fail and how to really set yourself up for success by avoiding these common pitfalls of these resolutions. And I actually thought it was interesting. Apparently 80% of New Year's resolutions fail. So chances are uh, all of us listening to this episode right now have experienced some form of failure with this. I definitely did not follow my resolutions last year because I didn't do any of these things. Side so note, I am very proud of myself because I'll have you guys know one of my 2019 New Year's resolutions was to enjoy eating papaya. And now I can proudly say in 2022, I worked very hard and I kept trying and now I'm at a place where I can say proudly that I do enjoy papaya. So thank you. Thank you very much from the, uh, the big papaya industry. But okay. Anyways, one of the first problems with New Year's resolutions in particular is partially why they're so popular to begin with so we as people were story time people okay people like stories they like the idea of a clean start on January 1st because it's a good story to tell it's easy to track like when the goal started and our goals feel more satisfying when we have that anticipation of where you'll be this time next year we love that thought of like this time next year like I'm gonna be totally different my story is gonna change like this is a big moment in my story arc And the problem with this is that this creates a very all or nothing mentality. And so with this, once you slip off the bandwagon with all or nothing mentalities, it's very easy to feel discouraged and just be like, I want to give it all up because I didn't make it perfect, right? So a lot of this actually has to do with the fact that subconsciously, sometimes we just don't think that we deserve success. So instead, we self consciously, we subconsciously actually self sabotage ourselves and we go out of our way to make things harder than they really are. Because apparently that makes more sense. Suffering makes more sense to us, struggling with something makes more sense to us. That is apparently what we think we deserve. So some examples of this self-sabotage, I actually have an episode all about this. It's one of my first earlier episodes, Um, but some other examples are negative self-talk, not setting the right boundaries and procrastination. Um, So be sure to check out, I think that's one of my like earlier episodes editing Connie here. If you like what you hear, please, please, please leave a review on Apple Podcast. It means the world to us. We haven't had a new review in a while. So if you can, please take the five seconds to go to Apple Podcast and leave a review for just a quick pinch. But this self-sabotage mentality is actually one of the four hidden barriers in achieving what you consciously want. This is like a concept from the author. uh, His name is Gay Hendricks, and he wrote this book called The Big Leap. I definitely want to read that book um, at some point, but I was just skimming through this article talking about his four hidden barriers. So the first one is just simply the belief that you don't deserve this success. The second barrier is actually similar. Uh, It's the idea of the disloyalty and abandonment fear, because we have this fear of being disloyal to our past and leaving behind people and situations from our past once we change. And this is actually something pretty common that I've experienced at least helping patients with substance abuse disorder. Um, You know, a lot of them feel like, it's really hard to move on from their old lives and the people in those old lifestyles once they come out of rehab or things like that. And the same kind of applies to us, you know, it's kind of like abandoning who we thought we were and that kind of changing who we perceive ourselves to be. That's oftentimes one of the hardest parts of, you know, reaching wherever you're supposed to go. So with that in mind, once you identify, you know, like I may be holding on to this bad habit or not letting myself take on this new habit because I'm afraid of abandoning that old identity, those old friends, being disloyal to that old lifestyle. Once you realize that that's the problem you're facing, it becomes a lot easier then to overcome this. So hidden barrier number three is the belief that more success can bring a bare burden. So maybe as a child you internalize certain beliefs that success brings a burden to yourself or others. I know that I kind of internalized this message in terms of money and um Money and also self-image. I, for some reason, either it was messaging with like my environment or TV I watch, things like that. I always felt kind of like wanting money was a bad thing, or also wanting to improve your self-image. I always thought that was like vain, and that's kind of something that I've had to battle with and self-talk that I've had to work through, like these internalized beliefs, to get to where I want to be. And lastly, the hidden barrier number four is the fear of outshining. I thought this was interesting. I didn't know that this existed, um, but I definitely felt this and I think a lot of gifted, talented people, not calling myself gifted or talented. I am word for word reading the notes I took from the article. Okay, the article said gifted or talented people have this. But apparently um, these people... (laughs) have this experience where there's a message you got as a child that either your family or environment told you that if you shine too much, you'll make other people feel bad or other people look bad. And you have to worry about that apparently. So taking in all these four hidden barriers into account, it's important in the new year to not just figure out what your goals are and what you want to achieve, but also figure out one, how to make yourself believe that you're worthy of even having these goals to begin with. Like sometimes people don't even think they're worthy of having the goal to like lose 10 pounds or something, right? Number two, you also have to find a way to help yourself believe that you deserve the results of these goals, that you deserve to lose those 10 pounds. And number three, that you can handle other people's reactions to you once you finally achieve this new thing. we It's funny, we spend so much time worrying about how others will perceive us and react when we should realize that, you know, how, what other people think of us really, like, isn't our problem. It's not our business at all. Um, it can happen for better or worse, right? Like, I know sometimes um, it can be almost intimidating kind of to try to put on this like new identity and live this new lifestyle if you feel like it kind of goes back to actually the fear of disloyal disloyalty and abandonment it kind of feels like almost awkward putting on this new skin and trying to be this new person um and you're kind of scared to see how other people react to that and i'm just here to tell you you know you really shouldn't them as a factor in this because that's first of all that you're anticipating something that you don't really know you never know maybe your friends and family will be so happy for you like you really can't anticipate that and it's also not your responsibility to anticipate how other people re- will react as well okay so another problem besides these hidden barriers Another problem with this whole January 1st mentality is that people can't change until they're ready, right? You can't force someone to just make a huge behavior lifestyle change just because the clock turned and it's January 1st. So you have to be really honest with yourself if you're realistically ready to set this goal yet, if you're ready to change your life for this goal, not just if you want the results of this goal. Because it's pretty easy. Everyone can say they want the results. Not as many people can say that they're genuinely committed and ready. I don't know if any of you guys learned about this in school, but when I was in pharmacy and dental school, we learned about this concept of the five stages of change that they teach us when a patient is quitting smoking. So it's, oh my gosh, this was actually a test question one time and I totally botched it both in pharmacy school and I think dental school. But okay, I have it written out here. The five stages of change is, one is pre-contemplation, that's before you're even considering making the change. Two is contemplation, you'll probably be, be here if you're like, you know, setting the goal. Uh, Three is preparation, four is action, and then five is the maintenance stage. And now I think in modern day, they've added a sixth stage, which is a relapse stage, which is good because that kind of accounts for how a lot of times when you try to do something, you may relapse or have, you know just like a moment of falling off the wagon, but it allows you to get back on it. But that's the whole problem with this January 1st, new year, new me thing is that sometimes people on January 1st are still just in contemplation or maybe pre-contemplation. Well, I guess you'd be in contemplation, but maybe you're only in preparation on January 1st. We can't pressure and expect people to immediately jump to the action stage just because the clock turned and now it's January 1st, right? This made a lot of sense to me when I learned about it because like, when you put it in that same frame of mind with like quitting smoking or for some or, you know, for example, we're, we're forcing people into feeling the pressure to change when functionally we just aren't ready to make the changes needed yet. And then this actually puts you in a position to fail and it makes you feel worse about yourself for failing because, you know, it's like kind of like you tried before you were ready. I'm such a big fan of the idea that you should always start something before you're ready. But in this case, with these goals, I think the psychology of doing things when you're ready for the change is very important. Another thing to keep in mind is if your goals are overly ambitious or underly ambitious. So I am the queen of being overly ambitious. On paper, overly ambitious goals sound good because it's basically saying like, for example, here's bucket A. We'll call this the career bucket goal. And let's say we want to fill it up and we want to do it 10 times more than we usually do. It doesn't occur to us usually that by spending so much effort and energy on filling bucket A, it's actually also taking away water or I guess like resources from us filling up another bucket B. Let's say bucket B is like your personal life or something. Um, So obviously you can't just put all your eggs in. Okay, I need to stop switching back and forth from the analogy of eggs to water, but you can't put all of, everything into one bucket. It has to be more balanced than that, right? It doesn't even have to be 50/50, but it at least has to be some sort of balance in that personal bucket B. A more practical example of this is if you want to budget something for yourself and you you don't want to spend anything, but it's overly ambitious and in the end you didn't anticipate saving money for like emergency doctor visits or, you know, things you have to pay for. So ultimately, you're basically setting yourself up for discouragement and failure. So that's being overly ambitious. Something else to keep in mind though, is if you're being underly ambitious, I don't know if that's a word, uh, if you're making your goals too easy and things that you can complete quickly, you're gonna get bored with them. And getting bored is also not going to help you progress if anything that's also going to help you fail with time. I know that when I was playing piano, for example, if I was learning like a cool pop song that I wanted to learn, I would just, like, learn the chorus, and the problem was, like, I would have fun learning the chorus, but once I got the chorus down, once I got just enough of it down, then I got bored and I wouldn't bother learning any other parts of the songs or more songs. I would just keep playing the chorus over and over again until I got bored of that. So boredom is definitely one of the things that you want to watch out for, and it's not something that you really think about. Another problem, I mean, I guess this kind of goes back to the January 1st issue is that despite seeming specific because you're like, oh, I'm starting on January 1st. It's not very specific because starting on January 1st doesn't map out our day-to-day reality. It doesn't tell us what January 2nd is gonna look like. It doesn't tell us what March 3rd is gonna look like. It's achieved, it's it's based on achieving these goals rather than you know building these really important lifelong habits. And when you're thinking about these habits, Part of why making a New Year's resolution feels good is because for a glimpse, like a moment in time, we're imagining a world where we're our perfect future selves. And the problem is that we make goals that aren't very relevant for our life. Like these goals are more tied to what we want rather than who we actually are. So a really good example I liked of this is imagine your new year's resolution is to go to bed every night at like 9 p.m. and then you wanna wake up at 6 a.m. every day. But let's say your partner actually like works really late at night every other week, so like every other week you don't really get to see them that much. This goal doesn't take into account the amount of strain that's gonna put on your relationship and like the amount of happiness that you would lose from seeing your significant other more often. So like basically you're setting yourself up for failure here and it's more unlikely that you would stick to the resolution if it doesn't fit with your lifestyle here. Like the goal on paper might be nice for Sally, who's, I don't know, like single, lives alone, whatever, but you're not Sally. You're you and you have your own unique lifestyle and characteristics that you have to take into account. So one thing to consider in order for our behavior to change is that this is like, you might hear and understand like your consciousness and your beliefs have to change, but a lot of times we don't think about how our actual consciousness might be off because of problems in areas of our life that are actually reoccurring themes that popped up like all the time growing up. So let's say, for example, you're unhappy at work, you hate your job. Part of it is definitely like maybe the environment's not great, but a big part of it is also how you end up in these situations. It might be that maybe early on you grew up in a toxic or not so great environment and that made you think it was normal to feel this way maybe growing up I didn't feel safe for you to set boundaries so you grew up not setting great boundaries which leads you to choosing jobs where you don't have good boundaries you see what I mean or you choose people and relationships where you don't have good boundaries and you don't realize this is a problem because it's so ingrained in you so instead you think oh like the problem is the job. I'll never find a good job. Or the problem is like love. I'll, I'll never find love. This kind of goes back to my episode about comfort and discomfort and your emotional home, where sometimes things that feel safe and familiar aren't what's best for us, actually. like Sometimes uncomfortableness is ultimately what's better for us, but we have to shed those old beliefs and habits in order to get there. So you can see here how the work of the goal starts not with finding a new job or finding a new partner, but instead it's about working on yourself because your internal compass of how you pick jobs, of how you pick people, that's the thing that's off. And that's why I say it's important to, you know, instead of making your goal something super, super tangible, like what people always say, maybe we have to take a step back and also think about the consciousness and our like beliefs in our goals. So last but not least, I wanted to leave you guys off with like three tangible solutions of how to make better goals. So first, I think it's really good if you make at least one of your goals, improving something that you're currently doing, because it helps boost your self-confidence. And crafting your resolutions and goals around past experience is good because you already have that sense of what this task is like and what your benchmark like end goals are. So for example, it's kind of like you don't know what you know, you don't you don't know what you don't know. So for example, if you make one of your goals run six miles every day, but you don't even know what running one mile is like, you don't do that consistently, you don't realize how far fetched and hard. Hard this goal will be. You don't know how much time it's gonna take, what it's gonna be like. So something that I've realized in life is that you basically have to start tasks and jump in before you're ready because you never really have a good idea of do what doing something is like before you start doing it. But with the idea of resolutions, it's kind of tough, right? Because you're you can't really like start cold turkey. Cause like I said, you don't really have a concept of how something is. So let me just give you an example of this. When I announced that I was starting my podcast, I had never I'd never actually recorded a podcast episode yet. So I didn't really have an idea of the parts of this process. I didn't know what would be easier. I I just, I didn't really know what to expect. Once I started this process, I had a better idea of how to troubleshoot and how to organize episodes, how to plan. And I think that's why a lot of podcasts don't come to fruition is because people are always in the planning anticipatory mode where they're just like planning, planning, planning. But if you're stuck planning all day, you still really have no idea what it's actually like. So you kind of have to go out there and do it, right? Now, how this applies to our goal with running six miles a day is if you're not already running one mile a day, you're not really going to know what running six miles is. Right. So you have to get started somehow. You have to jump in the water so that you start learning. Um, So let's say your method of jumping in the water is that you already walk 10 minutes every day to your car at work. Let's try building on that instead and saying, I'm going to park farther so that I walk longer, longer, like a longer amount of time. Instead of walking 10 minutes a day, it's walking 15 minutes a day. Then expand that to going on like a 30 minute walk every day. Then to expand that to walking a mile. Once you've reached that of getting used to walking for a mile, then try running for a mile. And then eventually, you know, mile after mile, you'll get to a place where you run six miles. So you can see why it's really important, the concept of just getting started, but not necessarily getting started right where you want to be, right? You have to really ease your way into things. So my uh, tip for num- tip number two is you have to be specific, not in just in the sense that you have to be specific about, you know, the amount of time you're going to take and what you're going to do. You have to be specific about the feeling or the emotion that's driving this desire rather than just a goal so let's say you want to lose weight a lot of people say okay to be specific i want to lose 10 pounds by this date but i'm challenging you to go a step further and attach it to a feeling that you can tangibly know or that you can relate to say instead i want to lose 10 pounds by this date so i can feel confident on my vacation to this place so that i don't have to worry about how i look in photos because at the end of the day just the number 10 pounds. Just the date like March 3rd or whatever. I don't know why I keep saying March 3rd. Just numbers and dates, it's not really going to motivate you because it's not really eliciting a feeling from you. Instead, something that's much more powerful is that feeling of like, okay, if I feel like uncomfortable in my photos or if I don't feel self-confident. Like that's very powerful for me. And so what really gets me to the gym consistently nowadays I've realized is I really like the feeling of that self-confidence when I realize like oh I can like lift a little bit more weight today or like oh I felt a little less out of breath when I was like doing my cardio today. It's that feeling that I really hold on to and that's what gets me to the gym. And tip number three, this is also a very common one you'll hear but I think it's really important to reward yourself for small victories. Yes because it makes the process more enjoyable and you know we need to make that process something that you want to do but I think it's also an important opportunity to build your self-confidence. You don't realize it but a lot of times when you say you're going to like reward yourself and you don't, it hurts your self-confidence and your belief in yourself. um, Even though, you know, it's just rewarding yourself. But the thing is, like, you need to be able to believe yourself in, like, all aspects of this self-talk. Because otherwise, it's like, why bother doing this thing if I know I'm not going to reward myself when it comes down to it? So I think you need to, maybe I'm just making excuses for this, but I just think that you really need to You know, reward yourself for the small things because that will get you to those bigger things. And then I'll also eventually train you that you're worth your word and that, you know, you can really trust yourself with this kind of stuff. So anyways, those are my best tips for setting your New Year's resolutions. Now it's time for me to sit down and actually make my resolutions with all these tips that I made. And you know what? Maybe in six months, I'll make like a check in podcast episode. That'd be kind of fun for us to check in and see how we follow these prompts. So, yeah, I challenge you guys to make your healthy New Year's resolutions, try to use some of these tactics instead of falling into the same old traps. And hopefully, this year we will see a difference. Or maybe not. Who knows? So, anyways, I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode, and I'll see you guys later. Bye.